Hello, creation. How is everyone doing? I'm from Pennsylvania, so I know the language here. How you got how how are you guys doing? Right? It's good to see everybody. And I'm really surprised that people showed up because I noticed in the in the um, booklet there's no topic listed for today. Am I right? So you have no idea what you guys are doing here. I mean, this could be, we could turn this into anything. I've got like a blank check right now, so this is kind of exciting. Now, I might scare you when I tell you what the talk is about today. First of all, I'll, I'll wait to tell you what it's about. Let me tell you a little bit about who I am. My name is Deborah Faleta. I'm a licensed professional counselor. Uh-oh. An author. Um, I've got six books and they're all along the topics of relationships as well as mental and emotional health. And it's kind of surreal because last time I was at Creation I was a teenager myself. Last time I was here in the woods and this time I have my almost teenager with me and my husband and it's just such a surreal experience to be back here at Creation in the woods with you. I'm excited for what God's going to do today. Um, and you know, even though it's a smaller crowd than expected, it's Saturday, everyone's tired, I'm really believing that the Lord is going to speak and those of you who are here need to be here for a reason. So I started my ministry about nine years ago when I released a book called True Love Dates. Not True Love Waits, True Love Dates. And it was a book about how to date in a healthy way. But the theme of everything that I do is that if you want healthy relationships, you have to start by being healthy standing alone. You know, when you come see me for any type of counseling or marriage work or my girlfriend's this or my boyfriend's that, we're always going to start with doing the work here because your relationships are only as healthy as you are standing alone. And that's what we're going to talk a little bit about today. The theme for the day is this question, are you really okay? In 2021, I had the honor of releasing a book into the world called Are You Really Okay? And it's a book about mental and emotional health. And the subtitle is Getting Real About Who You Are, How You're Doing, and Why It Matters. It's a question that we hear often. How are you? How are you doing? How are you guys doing today? you pretty much hear everybody say the same answer. I'm good. I'm doing all right. We're, we're good. We're so conditioned to respond to that question so quickly, so quickly, without really taking the time to think through how am I actually doing. And I think part of it is social media has wired us to answer this question super fast without going deep without taking the time to really think through it. How am I actually doing? Social media wires us to kind of put our best pictures, our best filter, our best face forward. And that's what we present to the world. There's a heartbreaking story that I heard recently of a 19-year-old track star, straight-A student. The last picture on her Instagram account was of the Philadelphia skyline with the sun setting. A few minutes later, she leapt 
from the ninth floor of a building to her death. And nobody knew that she was struggling. The last picture on her Instagram feed was this beautiful sunset with a cute little caption. Because so many times we're just wired to say that we're doing all right. We don't even know that we have permission not to be okay. But most of the time, we're struggling. We're overwhelmed. We're anxious. We're burnt out. We're trying to keep afloat. We're putting our best face forward, you know, pushing through, trying to make it work. And I understand for a lot of us here that in the middle of creation or in your high school hallways or on social media might not be the best place to get real about how you're doing. But there's got to be a time in your life that you let down the filter and ask yourself how you're really doing. There's got to be a time when you go deeper. So today, I'm going to give you permission to go a little bit deeper. I'm going to give you permission not to be okay. I'm going to remind you that just because you're a Christian doesn't mean you're healthy. Just because a Christ, you're a Christian doesn't mean you're okay. Just because you're a Christian doesn't mean you can't be struggling. It's okay not to be okay. It's just not okay to stay there. And today we want to acknowledge how each of you are really doing. And then I want to help you get to a better place. I think sometimes as Christians we make the false assumption that when you come to Jesus, all of a sudden everything's going to be okay. We really make that assumption with our emotional health, our mental health. We don't really make that assumption with our physical health, though, do we? When you came to Jesus, did you expect to wake up the next morning with a six-pack? Did you expect to wake up with biceps? Like, I'm good to go. Look at my body now. I mean, we would laugh at that notion, right? Like, of course not. But then why do we make that assumption with our emotional health? Why do we make that assumption with our mental health? If we know that physical health takes work, you've got to go to the gym, you've got to lift the weights, you've got to work on your diet, you have to be deliberate and intentional with your physical health, why then are we not as intentional with our mental and emotional health? We've got to put in the work to get ourselves to a healthy place. And sadly, Many Christians are not. It's not even on their radar. And we assume that because I'm a Christian, I'm going to be good to go. One of my favorite passages in scripture, and actually the passage I base, Are You Really Okay, on, is Mark, 16, Mark 12, verse 31. And the verse says, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. Did you notice that Jesus puts loving him into four different categories? Heart represents our emotional health. Soul represents our spiritual health. Mind represents our mental health. Strength represents our physical health. He could have easily said, love the Lord your God with everything, just made it a blank statement. But Jesus was very deliberate into breaking it up into four separate things because each of those four pieces are crucial to our ability to love God, are crucial to our personal health. 
Now, I wish I had the time to talk through all four of those areas with you, spiritual health, emotional health, mental health, physical health, but I don't. And I'm going to be at the pavilion later today. I've got some books for those who want to take this message a little bit deeper. But for today, we're going to hone in on the aspect of emotional health. What does it look like to be emotionally healthy? How do you know if you're emotionally healthy? What does it look like if you're sitting out here and you're the younger crowd to grow up to become emotionally healthy? That's what we're going to talk about. If I could summarize it, I would say that emotional health is a combination of our thoughts, feelings, and behaviors working together in sync and moving us toward joy and peace and away from anxiety and depression. Let me read that one more time. Emotional health is the combination of our thoughts, feelings, and behaviors moving us toward joy and peace and away from anxiety and depression. How many of us have felt some anxiety and depression over the past couple years? I mean, COVID and, and the, the changes that the world has gone through have really kind of stirred up some of that inside of us. So if our emotional health is thoughts, feelings, and behaviors, what do we do with that? Well, first I want to remind you this. Your thoughts lead to your feelings. What you think impacts how you feel. Your feelings then lead to your behavior. What you feel then impacts how you act and what you do or don't do. So let's take each one of these categories and do a quick checkup on how you're doing. The first one is our thoughts. Romans 12, 2 says, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Did you know that your thoughts are automatic? They just happen so quickly without you even realizing it. And not only are your thoughts automatic, but they happen so easily. And what they typically do is they take the path of least resistance. So your thoughts are happening in the back of your mind and you're not even aware that they're happening. They're so familiar. You're just so used to these thought processes happening. But what our brain likes to do is take the easiest path. And you know what's interesting is the easiest path is usually the negative path. So we're going to do a quick activity just to show you that your brains like the easy path. I want you to take both of your hands and hold them out like this. And when I say three, I want you to clasp your hands together. Okay? One, two, three, go. Now notice, which thumb is on the outside? Is it your left hand or your right hand? Observe. Take note. Now, I want you to put your hands out again, and this time I want your opposite thumb to be on the outside. Three, two, one, go. Were you able to do it? You're still working on it. Was it a little difficult, a little, a little more awkward for your body to figure that one out? Now, we're going to do a different activity. Take your arms and put them both out to the sides, both arms. When I say three, I want you to cross your arms and see which hand makes its way to the top, which arm. One, two, three, cross your arms. Okay, ready? This time we're going to do the opposite. Put your hands out again. This one's a little trickier. One, two, three, cross your arms. That's a little more awkward because your body 
is wired to your brain and your brain is used to doing the same thing, the easiest thing, the same thing over and over and over again until it becomes a pathway in your mind. We call them neuropathways. It's like the default that happens in your brain. Guess what? Our default is negative thinking, unhealthy thinking, worst case scenario. Have you ever thought in best case scenarios? You know, most of us don't dwell on best case scenarios all throughout the night. I can't sleep. I'm just thinking about the best case scenario, right? You think about the worst case scenario. So here are some things that your brain does automatically that are negative. The first one is called all or nothing thinking. In counseling and psychology, we call these cognitive distortions. That means your thoughts are a little bit off. They're a little bit distorted. They're negative. So all or nothing thinking that's basically when you look at a situation as either black or white, it's all or nothing. It's amazing or it's horrible. You get home from a long day of work or school. How was your day? Horrible. It was awful. Okay. Was it really awful? Yeah. Someone cut me off on the way to work and then the coffee machine wasn't working and then my boss came and corrected me. Okay, well, what else happened? There's a million other minutes in the day, a million other moments, but your brain goes all or nothing, and now it categorizes it as all negative or all positive. Same with things like politics, views on Facebook. There's a lot of all or nothing people in the world right now. But the brain is the healthiest when it is in balance, our balanced perspective of what's going on. It doesn't mean we ignore the negative but it's not black or white. There's a middle ground. That's all or nothing thinking. The next one is called minimizing and maximizing. Let's say you wear a new outfit to church, ladies, and everybody's like, oh, that's cute. You look so cute. And someone's like, ooh, I thought I saw that one on the clearance rack. You know, that, that, that's an interesting outfit. And all you can do from that point on, teenager, is think about the negative thing they said to you, that comment they made on Instagram. Everybody else might be affirming you and, and lifting you up, but you're magnifying and maximizing the one little negative thing. It consumes you. You know, as authors, we deal with that too. We've got something called Amazon reviews. <laughs> And you can have all the most incredible, amazing Amazon reviews. My mentors, Christine Kane, my friends, Levi Lesko, they can say, Thus, Are You Really Okay is the best book out there. And one person says, I didn't like this chapter. And I'm like, <gasps> you know, all of a sudden you focus in on this one negative critique and you maximize it while minimizing all the good that God is doing. Isn't it so easy to focus on what God is not doing, quote unquote, what we want him to do. Why am I still single, God? Why don't I have a boyfriend? Why is this not working out for me? Instead of focusing in on all that he is doing. That is a cognitive distortion. How do you do that in your own life? How do you allow your brain to take that negative path? The third one is called catastrophizing. And we talked about this a minute ago, but this is when you think of life in worst case scenarios. I don't know about anybody else, but I think moms are really good at this. Moms try to think of all the horrible things that could happen with, to their teenagers at creation. 
you know, and they think about them, they, pl they plot them out in their head, they prepare themselves for the worst case scenario. But you know what's funny is your, your brain can't tell the difference between what's false and what's true. And when you're starting to think these horrible thoughts to your brain, it might as well be real because then it starts stirring up those emotions, those horrible, terrible, awful emotions as if something bad really did happen when it hasn't even happened yet. This is called catastrophizing, when we see the future in these awful terms. You know, we do this a lot on the news, don't we? Thinking about the future and where it's going in our generation and the culture, instead of looking at what God is doing. That is a very dangerous road, my friends, because God knows the end of the story. And he is not a God of darkness he is a God of light. He is a God who is victorious in the end. That is why scripture says, take every thought captive. Philippians affirms that and says, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about these things. Why do you think God's word tells us over and over again to watch our thoughts. It's not because these Bible verses are cutesy little Bible verses that we hang on the wall as wall art in our Christian homes. It's because these things are life or death. Life or death based on what we allow ourselves to think. So one homework activity, if you guys were my clients and I was your counselor, one thing I would have you do is chart all of your negative thoughts for the next 24 hours. As, even if it's super fast. Oh, it's so hot out. I'm miserable. I can't stand this. Okay, write it down. What are your negative thoughts throughout the day? Write them down and face them and begin to look for patterns. And when you actually write them out, they become less familiar. You, your eyes are open to the fact that you've got all of these automatic, awful thinking that you were never aware of before because you never took the time to face it, to own it. It's just like when we crossed our hands. You would never know how awkward it is to try and crossing your hands the other way unless you tried something different. When we face our negative thoughts, God begins to help us work out our negative thoughts and replace them with his truth. How healthy is your thought life? That's my first question. Moving on to thoughts lead to what? I don't hear you. Feelings. Thoughts lead to feelings. Let's talk about feelings for a little. Let's take inventory of your feelings. Now, I don't know if you know this or not, but your feelings are like a volcano. Now, I want all the men in this room, teenage boys who are on your phone, men who are falling asleep, I want all the men. Now, don't get me wrong. Some of you men are really paying attention. I appreciate it. But I want all the men to listen because I think sometimes when we talk about feelings, we think it's for the ladies. Feelings are not a gender thing. They're a human thing. And this is where we've got to get really good at understanding emotional health and not just giving ourselves a bypass because we're male, we're from Pennsylvania, we've got German roots. Whatever it is that you allow yourself to have a bypass, this is where I want you to listen up. Emotions are like a volcano. 
they're always brewing underneath the surface. You know, if you think about a volcano, there's a lot of pressure that happens in your day, in your life, when things go wrong, when you're struggling at work or school or home, when you're taking care of kids or an ailing parent or, or bullying in the middle of your high school hallways, whatever it is, there's pressure. Your parents got divorced. People are struggling. Your grandma's sick. What are the pressures in your life right now? Are you aware of them? Next thing you know, you've got all these pressures. Then COVID happens. Why do you think we saw such an increase in anxiety and depression? It's because the pressure was already there. Now we added one more thing and that pressure came to the surface just like a volcano. The pressure finds the point of least resistance and it explodes. And we saw a lot of emotional explosions happen over the past few years. I especially as a counselor saw a lot of emotional explosions happen. Things like addictions that surfaced, rage, relationship crisis, panic attacks, depression, suicidal thoughts or feelings. How did the emotional explosion happen in your life? How, what does it look like? Is it an addiction to porn or an addiction to video games or Netflix? What does it look like when you are struggling? What does it, the explosion look like in your own life? Here's the thing about it. These feelings building underneath the surface, they're like a signal. They're like the check engine light that remind us something's wrong. We've got to stop and take inventory. The problem is, in our culture, we're wired to just push through. Oh, there's the feeling. There's a check engine light. I'm just going to ignore it, and it'll go away. That doesn't work. We try to repress it. We try to shove it underneath the surface. We try to distract ourselves with something else. I'm going to go have fun instead of feel this awful feeling. But the feeling is a signal. It is telling you, you need to stop and pay attention something is happening. Your body is trying to tell you something. Teenagers, you've got a lot of feelings. What are those feelings telling you? And are you paying attention to your feelings or are you just trying to ignore them and distract yourself? What is going on underneath the surface? Did you know that if you googled a list of emotions, you'd find a list of over 500 different emotions. I think sometimes we put emotions in like three categories, happy, mad, sad. There's a lot more going on underneath the surface. There's feeling worried. There's feeling ashamed, overwhelmed, embarrassed, fatigued. There's so many different feelings that we experience. And the first step to being an emotionally healthy person is to start naming those emotions. I got to find out what this is. What is this check engine light telling me? What feeling is this? The first step to emotional health is to recognize your emotions. What's going on underneath the surface? The second step to being emotionally healthy is to express your feelings. Do you have safe people in your life that you can talk about your feelings? What are you going through? What are you experiencing? Because these emotions matter, and we've got to bring them up to the surface before they explode. We've got to deal with the pressure in a healthy way before the pressure deals with us. And I have worked over the past two years with everyone from the smallest little children to the oldest adults who have gotten to a place of emotional explosion, and they are struggling. Successful people. We're not talking people who are struggling and, and, and whatever you imagine from the movies, 
We're not talking about those kind of people. We're talking about normal Christian people who have reached the end of the rope and they're struggling with something. What does it look like to deal with that pressure? Did you know that Jesus was emotional? When you think about Jesus, and I, if I were to ask you to give him a title, what's a, what's a word, a descriptive word that you think of when you think about Jesus? Powerful, compassionate, almighty. But do you ever think about the word emotional? Jesus was emotional. According to biblical scholars, just in scripture alone, We've identified 39 different emotions that Jesus felt and expressed. 39 different emotions that Jesus felt and expressed. And the Bible says that if everything Jesus did was written down, all the books in the world couldn't contain it. So just imagine those 39 different emotions. Well, what are they? Let's talk through some of them. Jesus felt joy. John 15, 10 through 11, Jesus himself says, I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and your joy may be complete. Jesus felt joy. Jesus felt sorrow. Luke 19, 41, as he approached Jerusalem and saw the city, he wept over it. And you remember in John 11, later when he talks about the story of Lazarus and, and that famous two-word two verse, Jesus wept. He wept numerous times in Scripture. Jesus felt exhaustion. John 4, 6 tells us that one day Jesus was wearied with his journey. He was traveling, and he was exhausted. He felt that feeling. Jesus felt anger. Matthew 23, 33, he responded with anger to the people saying, you snakes, you brood of vipers, how will you escape being condemned to hell? He was mad. He felt that mad anger. Because here's the thing. It's not the emotion that's bad or good. We tend to categorize emotions. Here's the bad ones and here's the good ones. It's not the emotion that's bad or good. They're all just a signal. What we do with that emotion is what leads us down the category of healthy or unhealthy. And Jesus always responded to his emotions in the best way. Even when he was full of sorrow, he looked up to heaven and gave thanks to God as his next thing. The second after he wept, he looked up to heaven and gave thanks. He responded to sorrow with gratitude. So it's not the emotion, it's what you do with that emotion. And the third part about being emotionally healthy, first you understand your emotions, then you express them. This is one of the most important pieces. You question them. Just because you feel something doesn't make that feeling the truth. Because feelings are a signal but they can lead us astray because a lot of times they're based on different things we've experienced. They could be based on trauma. They could be based on our insecurities. They could be based on our negative cognitive distortions that we just talked about a minute ago. So just because you feel something doesn't mean you run with it. You've got to question your emotions. I feel lonely. That doesn't mean I'm really alone. I feel insecure. That doesn't mean I'm not capable question your emotions. Jesus was the perfect example of somebody who questioned his emotions. My favorite story was when he was in the Garden of Gethsemane. 
Do you know the part where it says that he was so distressed that he started sweating droplets of blood? Do you remember that part in scripture? Did you know that that is a rare medical condition called hematidrosis? Very rare. It's only happened in two other people in history. And what they think it is, your body is under such distress that it goes into fight or flight mode. Have you ever heard of fight or flight mode? When your body is under so much stress, your hormones begin to run wild. Your adrenaline puts you on high alert. Your body is telling you something is dangerous. Fight or flight. He was in fight or flight mode because he knew what was coming. He knew the cross was just around the corner. He was under such distress. His feelings were telling him, this is dangerous. Get out of here. But he questioned his emotions. He chose to stay instead of run for me and for you. He knew that his feelings were real, but his God was more real than his feelings in the moment. And how many times do we need to rely on what our God says rather than what we feel in the moment? Talk about being emotionally healthy when we can learn to feel what we feel, but to also question it. And know that it's not always telling us the truth. Just because you feel afraid doesn't mean there's something to fear. Just because you feel lonely doesn't mean you're really alone. Just because you feel inadequate doesn't mean you're not capable. Our feelings are a signal, but they're not scripture. What does it mean to understand that we need to respond to our feelings in a way that moves us to a healthy place. The last thing we're going to talk about today is our behaviors. Remember we said that thoughts lead to feelings, which then lead to behaviors, what you do out of those different things. And you know what's funny? I'm not going to spend too much time talking about behaviors because as a counselor, I know that when we start with behavioral management, if you come in and you're like, hey, my son's got this problem. He's addicted to his Nintendo Switch. What, what, do we, what can we do about it? Well, you can start putting limits. You can start putting boundaries and rules. But if that's all you do, the behavior is never going to get modified. If someone's trying to quit smoking or alcohol or spending just getting to the behavior alone isn't going to last very long. But what I find is that when we get healthy in our thoughts, it moves us into healthy feelings, which then ultimately impacts our behavior. Is there a behavior in your life that you want to change? I want you to think for a second. If I had to ask you to write down one behavior in your life that you would love to change today, what would you write down? What would that behavior be? And then my next question is, how have you been trying to get that behavior out of your life? Maybe you're struggling with some sort of an addiction and you just can't seem to stop going back to it. Are you only focused on the behavior or have you backed up and asked yourself, what feelings do I have that lead me to this behavior? What thoughts do I have that trigger feelings that lead me to this behavior? 
because getting healthy starts by looking at all of these areas of our life. If there is something you want to change in your life, changing it from the outside in is only temporary. It's not going to work. I want to add an extra note, though, for those of you who feel like you're struggling in some area outside of these things. Maybe you're thinking, you know, I do have negative thoughts, but I can't seem to control them. They're constantly negative. I'm constantly worried. Maybe I'm struggling with feelings. I'm, I'm depressed. I'm having a hard time. I can't get out of bed. I'm, I'm struggling to feel motivated. I, I'm not concentrating like I used to. You guys, there comes a time when your thoughts, feelings, and behaviors have lived in an unhealthy realm for so long that they begin impacting the chemicals inside your body. And some of you might be facing real things such as anxiety, clinical anxiety, or clinical depression, and you don't even know it. Maybe you've started experiencing panic attacks where all of a sudden you feel like you can't breathe, you're not sure what's going to happen, you're feeling a heightened anxiety, and you're having these episodes over and over and over again. Just because you're a Christian doesn't mean you're immune to these type of things. We've all got things in our life, experiences from our past, that impact the way we think and the way we feel and the way we behave. You know, even me as a licensed professional counselor, I went through my own season of not being okay. I remember the first time I ever had a panic attack. It was on a safari bus. And it was 96 degrees out, which doesn't help. I hope it's not 96 today because that, that number and me aren't, aren't friends. It was 96 degrees out. My husband and I decide, oh, how fun it would be to take the kids on a safari bus in this blazing hot weather with four children. We go on this safari bus, and there's animals everywhere. And next thing you know, I realize I don't feel good. I feel like I might pass out. Something is wrong with me. What is going on? My, my arms start tingling. My face starts tingling. I'm like, am I having a stroke? What is going on? I can't breathe. I'm, I'm, my heart is beating like out of my chest. It's called a panic attack. My very first panic attack that I ever had. I've worked with people who've had panic attacks. I just never felt one for myself. And that started a journey for me asking Am I really okay? Just because I'm a Christian doesn't mean I'm okay. Just because I'm a licensed counselor doesn't mean I'm okay. Just because I help people with their panic attacks doesn't mean I am okay. And for me, it was a journey of figuring out the roots. When you're struggling with anxiety on the surface or a panic attack or anything that you're dealing with, even as a teenager, all of these things that come to the surface, there's always a root. There is always a root. And for me, the root was trauma. Years ago, I had been, years before that panic attack episode, I'd been through a traumatic experience where I almost lost my life. I had to get rushed into emergency surgery. The doctor said I was minutes away from dying. And at the time, I felt cool, calm, and collected. I'm like, all right, get me into this surgery. Let's just do this. I got three kids at home, you know. I get home, and you don't realize that trauma impacts you until later on. You know, you know when soldiers go off to war, 
and they're in the middle of the battlefield, the trauma of the battlefield, that's not the time to sit down and process your feelings, right? How am I really feeling today? What are my thought processes? Because you're in survival mode. You have to make it out alive. And when we go through traumatic seasons in our life, friends, even you teenagers, some of you have been through trauma, even at a young age, or watched somebody go through trauma. It affects you. And what do you do with that trauma? Well, you try to survive and you deal with it, but later in life, the trauma comes up to the surface when your body is ready to handle it. When a soldier comes home, years later is when PTSD happens. Did you ever notice that? It's not during the service, it's after they come home. When life is safe and secure, some of that trauma begins to resurface. It's like your body's saying, you weren't ready to handle it before. You were too young. You were too distressed. It was too much trauma. But now your body is ready to handle it. And maybe some of you are in that season where some of that past trauma is starting to come up to the surface. I want to encourage you that that does not mean you're going backwards. It just means that God is saying, you are strong enough now. It's time to deal with it. Let's deal with this together. God is revealing it so that he can begin to heal it. And the worst thing that you can do is try to stuff it and pretend it's not happening, pretend it's not there, pretend that it didn't really happen. I'm just going to push through and distract myself. That is the worst thing that you can do because the pressure will begin to build and ultimately get you to a place where you're not really okay. You know, the best thing we can do after a conversation about mental and emotional health is to remind you that if you're struggling today, it's okay. I'm sure you've heard the phrase, it's okay not to be okay, but I want to add this, but it's not okay to stay there. I don't want you to be in a place that's not okay. We've, we want to move you towards the journey of health. And for me, even though I'm a therapist, guess what? I got plugged into counseling. And I figured out the roots of what was going on inside of me so that I could get myself to a better place. There's a lot of good Christian counselors out there. Counseling is no longer taboo, guys. In fact, in Hollywood, it's trendy. Everyone's like, oh, I got my therapist, you know? We've got to realize that having a therapist is like finding a coach to help you on this journey. If your toilet's broke, you don't call a pastor to come pray over your toilet. You get the plumber to come and fix your toilet. And that's what I want you to realize with mental and emotional health, it is okay to seek the help of a licensed counselor who is a Christian to help you on this journey. They are trained. We have done thousands and thousands and thousands of hours of training to be able to help you get to a healthy place. So maybe the next step for you is to share with somebody that you're struggling. Maybe tonight around the campfire, you're going to feel like you can finally open up and say, I'm struggling. I'm feeling anxious. I'm having panic attacks. I, I'm feeling all these feelings inside and I need help. And maybe the next step is to get plugged in with somebody who can help get you to the other side. The beautiful news is today we've got a, an incredible prayer team who are available at the prayer center to pray with you. If you're realizing today that you are not really okay, and it's time to face it. It's time to deal with it. I'm going to be at the pavilion 
if some uh, the the resource pavilion if if anybody wants to come talk about something or share something you can come find me we can chat through it i'm here for you but more importantly god is here for you and he knows you and he knows your journey and not only that he has been through his own trauma his own worries his own feelings that he had to deal with he understands and he's here for you let me pray for each of you today before we close jesus i thank you for each and every person today here at creation i thank you for those who are able to listen i thank you for for those who um, are, are here to listen to the music and and to worship and to be filled by you but more importantly god i pray that today you would begin to reveal the pressure points in our lives that you want to heal, the trauma from our past, the things that we've never really dealt with, that we tend to ignore and push away. I pray that you would help us realize that by your strength and grace, we have what it takes to deal with these hard things with you by our side, to face them and get through them and come out the other side healthier and stronger. I pray over anyone who is feeling anxiety and depression in Jesus' name, that you would empower them, God, with your truth and your words and your hope of healing. I pray that they would realize that just because you're a Christian doesn't mean you're healthy, and we've got to do the work to get ourselves to a better place. So, God, I pray that you would equip, equip everybody in this room to take the next step with you by their side. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen, friends. It was so nice to be with you today. If you want to connect with me more, I'm on Instagram at Deborah Faleda. I post all kinds of counseling and relationship tidbits. I've got a podcast called Love and Relationships with Deborah Faleda, which is a hot style, hotline style podcast where people like you call in with questions and we talk through them on the podcast. We even do live on-air counseling sessions so you can kind of get a sneak peek of what counseling sounds like. It's not so scary after all. Um, but I'd love to connect with you and encourage you along the journey. Thank you for giving me your precious time today. And I hope you guys have a great rest of the day at Creation.